Blog Talk Radio. some technical difficulty here. Can you hear me? Oh. Yeah, well, I wasn't sure, you know, um, why I don't know if our audience knows is that uh, like when you get really strong winds down in, in southern Vermonta, it can knock you right off the uh, internet or whatever happens. Right. That's weird. What are, can you hear me fine, though? Yeah, now I, well, well you know, I'm half listening, half reading on, on the phone. Um, anyways, well, the weather report up here has, uh, I don't know, they were, they were talking about a big nor'eastern 8 to 10 or 12 inches. Maybe we got three or four total. Yeah, we got a lot of ice. (laughs) We got ice and freezing rain and sleet here. We didn't really get a lot of snow. Yeah, we had one. Well, it wasn't as bad as, uh, I mean, I remember as a child, uh, maybe once every, I don't know, seven years or something, we'd have an ice storm. And, uh, Birch trees are not that strong, and when they get covered in ice, they just bend over. I mean, it's 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 really odd to see a tree just so laden in ice that that I mean, some of the branches will break, but but some of them just, like I say, just bend. I know that the weight of the ice on the branches really does really stress them out. Definitely. Yeah, or 
or definitely guys on uh, electric lines is not a good thing. <laughs> that's, <laughs> no. that's when you lose power because <laughs> they break. Yeah, we we got a lot of ice, and it's it's been bitter, bitter cold here, and uh, it's. I mean, I'm waiting for it to end. I'm ready for summer. <laughs> huh. Well, this this time it got turned around then because, uh, like you say, we had again maybe three or four inches of snow. Maybe one day that was a little icy, but thing. So has I I had to go out because well this is my mother is frail and she needs aides to attend her during the day and uh one of the aides doesn't drive and there's the county provides transport service and I guess this Monday I get this call at 8:30 in the morning um you know they decided not to come from Malone which is I don't know how many mm, 40, 40 minutes away, but it, but whatever is that, you know. So this aide had no transportation to get to, uh, to, to, you know, my mother's room. So I had to go out in this, I'll call it semi-ice storm to go pick her up. But I don't know. Like I say, it wasn't, it wasn't as bad as, uh, as it could have been. I mean, I was able to pick her up and drop her off, no problem. And Leslie, how how was the COVID quarantine going up your way? <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry you asked. Um, okay, they they super quarant. Well, I'll call it that we've been under a quarantine for over a year now. Uh, they super quarantine us when when a staff member tests positive, and uh, the end of the last week, not only has uh, st- another staff member tested positive, but a resident has tested positive. So so Uh-oh. we're basically locked in our rooms. Wow, that's not good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, the the really strange thing is because I am a caregiver to my mother. Well, I I go up to the hospital and get COVID tests done. Um, I'm the only resident here that's allowed to go down or to leave the room to go down to my mother's room because. You know, I have to set up the pills. I have to set up the schedule, pay the aids. You know, so so it it is really strange when I leave the room. You know, I, in other words, I'm supposed to stay in the room, but but if I have to go down to my mother's room to do something, it's it's like you're walking through a deserted building. I mean, it's and this this is a huge building. If if anyone ever Googled. Uh, the Will Rogers, um, or the Saranac Village at Will Rogers, um, you would see that that this thing is a mansion. Now, Leslie, what about the vaccinations? Have you guys gotten vaccinated yet, or soon? Uh oh. 
<laughs> you're you're asking all the wrong questions. Uh, supposedly, most of the residents and and most of the staff people have vac- been vaccinated. Um, I just feel that my mother is frail enough that I don't want to risk the side effects of uh, 104 temperature or Bell's palsy or anything like that. And as for me, I'm so drug sensitive. Um, I mean, I'm I'm fearful. I'm sorry. I'm I'm, I'm fearful of the vaccination. I I I couldn't handle a side effect. Um, so like I say, I'm more than willing, well, of course I'm wearing the mask, but I'm more than willing to have a covert test done. And the other thing is uh, last January, both my mother and I were very sick with deep, happy, hacky coughs. Um, we both had pneumonia and we were given antibiotics for it. Um, and I just think before they called it a pandemic, I think my mother and I had the COVID test January 2020. So I'm hoping, I'm, I'm hoping like measles, mumps, chicken pox, that, that we had it a year ago and built our own immunity. So well, I, I know people will argue with me on this one, but um, I just I just feel, well, I already said it is, is due to my mother's condition, I don't know, survive a side effect. And as for me, I, hey, when I... Uh, when I was younger, I would try to get a flu shot, and I'd end up sicker from the flu shot than if I got the flu. So I don't even right, do flu right. shots. Well, what do you say we talk a little Star Trek? How does that sound? Whoop. Wait a minute. <laughs> Unfortunately, a little, little uh, Deep Space Nine. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, 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 as you guys know, the one and only Leslie Hoffman has been on Star Trek Voyager and on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And this past week, uh, Mark Adamo uh, celebrated a birthday. So, I know that Leslie has worked with him on Star Trek and has some stories about him. So I thought in honor of his birthday that we would talk to Leslie a little bit about him. But before we dive right in, I just wanted to share a little bit of history on his, on his involvement with Star Trek, and then I'll turn it over to Leslie. So uh, he played several characters on Star Trek The Next Generation before he moved to Deep Space Nine. Uh, he played in the very first season of Star Trek The Next Generation, an episode called The Neutral Zone, which was the final episode of season one. He played the first ever Romulan commander, T-Bot. Um, and he was, the, he was in charge, of, uh, he was the captain of the Warbird that decloaks in front of the Enterprise. The first time we saw the Romulans, 
And the first time we saw the new Romulan Warbird, that was him. Uh, he also was the first character, or uh, the first actor to ever play a Cardassian, believe it or not. He played Galma Set in the 1991 episode, The Wounded. If you guys remember, that's the one where Captain Maxwell was flying around in his Nebula-class starship, blowing up Romulan or Cardassians because they were smuggling weapons, which he was right, they were. And uh, when he stopped a ship, he told Picard to board the ship, and they'd find out he was right. And uh, Picard knew he was right, but didn't want to start a war. So he kind of gave Galmaset kind of a sideways warning. Um, so that, that was him. And he, he was also in uh, the Next Generation episode, Time's Arrow. Uh, he plays the, the poker player that speaks French to Data. When they're, when they're in the gambling den, and uh, he tells people he's white because he's from France. That's the episode where Whoopi Goldberg plays Guinan, and they go back in time. They find Data's head. That was Time Zero. But, but the character that he's most known for, and I think one of the best characters that they had on Deep Space Nine, was Galton And he, he appeared in 33 episodes as Gal Dukat, which is really cool. And so with that, I think I'm going to turn the show over to Leslie at this point. And Leslie, what, what can you tell us about working with Mark and some stories from being on the set with him and being a Cardassian? Well, they used to call him the neck. <laughs> I mean, he just, he has such a long neck. Um, or how I don't know. Once the prosthetics were on him, I mean, you know, he just had the perfect shoulders and necks uh, for for the Cardassian uh, prosthetics. Um, you know, I really can't remember the first day that that we met. Well, that that we met on the set and talked, but uh, just. Something I've said in the past is that, you know, I have a rule that I'm not going to go up to an actor and talk to them first because they might be um, rehearsing their lines, trying to memorize their lines, or um, or let's say that, uh, that uh, you know, it's somebody that I've seen in a different show and they thought they were so great. I just... I just can't go up to somebody for the first time as as I mean you got to consider that we're both employees of this production company so going up to another person and, and just saying oh you were so wonderful in you know whatever show or episode I mean I'm I'm sure there's probably a more passive way or I don't know I'll, I'll I'll quickly go through the Robert Blake story that I heard is that um, this guy got a job on uh, Beretta uh, five lines and under and and he thought he was being nice and he went up to Robert Blake to introduce himself and Robert Blake just you know brush this guy off obviously very angry and the actor's going oh no you know uh you know i've i've upset him 
But instead of staying away from him, he went to his dressing room later and knocked on the door. And and he was apologizing to Robert Blake. And Robert Blake goes, you know, like, why are you here? What are you doing here? And and the guy says, I'm working with you today, or, you know, I'm working on this episode. And Robert Blake says, uh, you know, show me in the script where, where, you know, where you're working. And the guy opens up the script and shows him the page. Robert Blake rips the pages out of the script and tears them up and says, no, you're not working here. So that's the danger of, I'll say, an actor that really doesn't want to be bothered by anybody. Uh, Mark Lamo is totally not Robert Blake. I mean, he must have talked to me at some point that um, I felt that, you know, when we were on the set, that, that we could talk to each other. And and we did have many conversations um uh one of the most memorable times was we were working on the episode called The Covenant and that's the one where Goldicott is the cult leader of uh Bajorn followers and and cares on they're on one of the I don't know if it was Impact Noir but it, you know they were on one of the stations um and uh, you know, Golda. Well, so so I'm on the set, and and Mark comes up to me, and he says, "Could you run lines with me?" Which means that you know he's handing me the script, and I'm reading the other person's lines, and he's being Goldicott, you know, and he had this just huge speech or or this powerful speech of why we should all be friends and and why I don't know again I guess you never call it a cult when you're the one who's running it but you know why this religion or why this movement was so great and like I say <laughs> I'm I'm looking at a script but I'm listening to what he's saying to me and believe me, his speech was so powerful, I would have followed him anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> now, was, he, was, he in full, uh, was he in full gold Ducat makeup at that point? Wait a minute, i got to wait on the operator. <laughs> the operator's being slow. I'm sorry. Um, no, our... our no, uh, yeah, yeah, he must have been. He must have been. Um, like I say, you're having me mem- try to remember that many years back. Yeah, he must have been in costume because, uh, you know, they were they were going to be shooting that scene later that day. So yes, I mean, I'm I'm probably dressed up as as the woman that I was stunt doubling in the episode. He's dressed up as Goldicott, and. He- He's telling me, you know, how wonderful <laughs> this this uh this again, I don't I'll call it a movement, how wonderful this movement is that uh and and Cardassians and Bajorans can all be friends and and 
together I'm not sure what we're supposed to do but, but like you say I mean he well you also have to uh compliment the script writers but uh I mean I'm getting a one-on-one acting job from Mark and like you say I mean it was so See now, now I do feel like I'm kind of gushing, or 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 being a super fan. Is that I mean I sat there just in awe of this guy. Again, I would have followed him anywhere after listening to his speech. <laughs> now let then, me ask you a but, question, Leslie. Did did you die or crash the starship in this episode? <laughs> no, but that that's another but so so you know, like I say, uh his scenes were with 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 the groups of people, but then there's this what happens is the Bajorn lady that I'm stunt doubling gives birth to a um half Bajorn, half Cardarsian baby and Kira's going <laughs> Oh yeah. You know, well, Mark is Mark or Goldicott's going. It's a miracle. <laughs> you know, this birth just shows that we should be together. In other words, he's denying that he's had sex with this woman. Um, you know, he's convincing people <laughs> that she had immaculate conception and gave birth to this half <laughs> half Bajor and half Cardassian baby. <laughs> but so. Um, he sends her a message to meet him at this airlock. I, I don't know. Sometimes now that part of hey, come meet me. Come meet me in this dark alley. <laughs> oh yeah, right. You know, come meet me in an airlock. <laughs> she walks into the airlock, and he closes. You know the inside door, and he starts opening out up the outside door. Well, now now we come to uh, the problems that I've had in the past. Uh, you know where I'll say to other crew members, "Wait a minute! If you open a door or you make a hole to to outer space." Your body's going to go through this door. I mean, you're just going to get sucked out. <laughs> I mean, um, so so the door is opening, and I have this scarf around my neck that they had a string on. And, you know, so as the door is opening, the scarf gets pulled out. But I'm able to hold on to the door or try to hold on to the door. <laughs> And and you know, like I say, it's one of those things where 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 you do accept, you question it, and they say it's in the script. <laughs> Shut up! It's in the script. I mean, it's like uh, like Total Recall when uh, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger ends up outside. Uh, uh, whatever building, and you know, and his eyes start bugging out and things like that. Like I say, I mean, you know, if you're in a no atmosphere condition, or or if you're sucked out into a vacuum, or being sucked out into a vacuum, holding on to a door isn't going to stop you. 
<laughs> no, it wouldn't. So I, I guess that yeah. answers my question. You did die. <laughs> you died again. No, no, that's what I'm saying. She didn't die. Her scarf, her scarf flew out into outer space, but she was able to hold on to the door, and and then Kira shows up. Well, Goldicott leaves. Kira shows up and closes the door. So so she's still alive. She was. <laughs> Okay. She was in an airlock that opened up to outer space and and lived. All right. Well, listen, <laughs> we have to take our first commercial break for our listeners at Odyssey Radio. But don't touch that dial. We'll be back right back with the one and only Leslie Hoffman. And we're going to be talking more with her about how she almost got sucked out into space. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Trek Talking, all things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday nights, 7.30 to 9.30, all hailing frequencies are open. iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking, boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. And we're back, and... uh Leslie's telling us a story about how she almost got sucked out into space. Uh, Major Kira showed up at the nick of time and saved her, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, well, I don't know. I guess I'm giving away the the episode ending. Is that it's sort of like, um, uh, oh, I can't. Just forgot his name. The Kool Aid guy. Reverend uh, Jim. Um, oh, Jim Jones. Reverend Jim yeah, Jones. Right. So so I guess uh Goldicott knows that that well obviously he knows that he's been found out and all that kind of stuff. And he has these pills that he hands out to all the uh, Bajorans, and he has and he has his pill also, supposedly from from this plate, and uh, he was going to kill everybody. He wanted everybody to take the pill, and everyone was going to swallow, you know, these pills that were handed out. But I think what Kira did, something happened. With the plate of pills and the pill that uh, Goldicott was supposed to take, that that they got thrown on the ground or messed up or something like that. I don't know if Kira picks up a pill or or after the pills get all mixed up, you know, Kira tells him, okay, go ahead, take a pill. <laughs> and Goldicott kind of left town real quick. <laughs> In typical Gold Ducat fashion. <laughs> right, 
Right. In other words, the pill that Goldacap had originally was a placebo. It wasn't it wasn't a poisonous pill like what he was handing out to the Bajorns, but because he lost it, he didn't dare take just any pill off of the floor or out of the bowl or I mean I it's been a long time since I've seen the end of that episode, but no, he wasn't going to chance it <laughs> and he left town. <laughs> <laughs> but typical, uh, typical, no. typical. <laughs> Aww, he's he's a bad boy that that you love and hate all at the same time. <laughs> or or you yeah, know he I does think, bad things and somehow you forgive him. You know, I think that uh, two of the most popular characters on Deep Space Nine happen to be Cardassians. One of them is Gul Dukat, and the other one, of course, is plain. Simple Garrick. He's another great character, I think. Right. And then I I know that this is always a big discussion since you brought up Garrick, is I played Mila. Now, I was told on the set that Mila was Garrick's mother. Um, I think we've discussed this before, and supposedly she wasn't his mother. She was the maid. But in a book, it it says that she's the mother. Like I say, from the day that I doubled her, going down the staircase where you know where she got killed by the Jemadar, uh, and I had to be the dead body rolling down the staircase. Like I say, I was told that day that I was her, I was his mother. Well, so, I was so, yeah, I, I, I guess I, I guess I. I played either Cardassian or played with Cardassians of the two good bad boys. <laughs> <laughs> so while we're talking about Cardassians, Leslie, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about how long it took for them to turn the Leslie Hoffman into a Cardassian? Oh, that that's... Um... One of the more difficult makeups. Uh, uh, there's, if I remember correctly, I think there's nine pieces of prosthetics that they have to glue on your face, as opposed to when I'm doing Torres, um, there was the forehead and there might have been a, a nose piece. In other words, there really were only, I think, two pieces for. Torres, but for Cardassian, it's nine pieces. I mean, it's it's each side of the neck. It's um, you know, it's it's that spoon forehead, and and I guess that there were side pieces, and I mean. <laughs> You know, you you look back at the well back then you didn't have cell phones that well that could take pictures. I mean, it's just really sad that uh, I I don't have more pictures of of the times that I worked on the set. Uh, but uh, to answer your question, um, it it probably easily was a two hour job maybe two hours plus to become a Cardassian. Uh, we've talked about this before, is that you come into work, uh, you go to your dressing room, you put on this T-shirt because um, they don't want you in costume. You can't be in your regular clothes because 
uh, once you're in makeup, you can't pull your clothes off, you know, over your head. So there's this, like, very loose T-shirt that everyone puts on. And and um, first you go to hair to get your hair put up. Then you go to different unions. You go to makeup and... Um, uh, or, whoops! Now I'm getting lost. <laughs> um, you go, you go to one place to get the prosthetics put on you. Then you go back to hair. Then you go back to makeup uh, to to have them blend in. Uh, you know the grayish colors, and and then uh, the Cardassian women have that blue in the in the spoon which which I don't think I ever got an answer on that is like why do Cardassian's spoon have that blue in it the men don't and it's not it's not makeup it's not like they're putting lipstick on i mean Cardassians just have a blue spoon that's, you know that's i'm talking about the forehead I've never understood that at all. I mean, I mean, I guess, I guess, I, if you think of birds or whatever, but then that would be the opposite. Is that usually the male is a lot prettier, and the female is plainer? But for some reason, the Cardassian women, like I say, have the blue in the spoon. Um, but you know, then just finishing up after. Uh, Let's see, hair to makeup, to hair to makeup. Uh, then you have to get the costume on. I mean, then the end of the day, you got to get out of the costume, and and because the Cardassian pieces, being nine different pieces, it probably took uh, an hour plus to have them remove them from from your face and neck. Leslie, how long did it take to become Mila from beginning to finish? Well, I mean, are you talking about also getting the costume on, or are you just talking about the makeup? Yeah, from the time you walked in as the Leslie Hoffman and you sat down (laughs) to the time you walked out and you were Mila, that whole procedure. Say... Easily three hours plus. Wow. <laughs> wow. Well, that that's why, you know, that's why on Star Trek we would have uh, easily 14 to 18 hour days. Because you got to realize that, you know, well, I say, let's say three of the hours is becoming the character. Another hour or so, well getting out of the costume plus getting the makeup off. It could easily be another hour and a half. I mean, so four to five hours in a day on the set could be just becoming the character or getting out of the of of being the character. Now you still got to try to film so many scenes in a day. And that's why uh, you asked this, I think, the last uh podcast um 
is how many days does it take to film an episode? And it's supposed to take nine days, but uh, when they start putting the episode together, they would realize they're missing a close-up or, or there seems to be a missing space in a in a scene or something. And then you would come back to what they called was second unit, which still means you got to get dressed up as the alien and and then at the end of I mean another 14 or 16 hour day I mean we we've had 18 hour days um and then SAG has a rule that um you must have 12 hours of what they call turnaround time so let's say you finish at at midnight uh but they want to film you the next day. Uh, technically, unless they're going to pay this extra money, actually, it's a it's double day. I mean, that's how expensive it is. Is that so? Let's say you end at midnight, but they want you in before noon the next day. They have to pay t- uh, two dailies. Wow. Yeah, no, I mean it, <laughs> which was which was great for me, but uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, sadly enough, there I know of at least two deaths, uh, one stunt man, one crew member, not not on Star Trek. It was on two different other production companies. I don't remember which production companies, but but where uh, they both were male, and they drove home after um, an 18-plus-hour day, and they fell asleep at the wheel and drove off the road and died. I mean, they crashed. Oh, my God. Yeah, and wow. and the unions have been screaming for years about... Uh, you know, we just cannot have these ridiculously long days. But then again, well, and I agree that we shouldn't have these ridiculously long days. But as I just said, it can take five hours total to get in and out of makeup. Um, uh, I mean, can you imagine how many hours it takes on Discovery to get Saru into costume? Uh, no, I had no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, good question. it easily could be five hours or more to get him into that costume. So, Leslie, before we our, our time is ticking down here, did you ever Uh-oh. work with Mark as as a director? Did he direct it all? Uh, actually, I didn't look that up. Uh, no, I didn't work with him as him being a I I worked with uh Garrick being a director but I didn't I don't know if uh Mark ever directed that's something I should look up but but I will tell uh the other story that I learned is um I had to break down a script because I was going to go to the production meeting because Dennis was going to be Dennis Madelon, the stunt coordinator, was going to be somewhere else that day. And I broke down the script, and the script talks about that Goldicott gets blinded. Um, the episode I think is called "When It Rains," 
uh, I think he opens up some kind of holy book and, you know, a flash of light comes out and it blinds him. It was when he was being a Bajoran. He wasn't, in other words, he wasn't a Cardassian. He was being Bajoran. It was right in the seventh season. Um, anyways, I go to the production meeting. I finish the production meeting. I figure I'll go over to the sound stage. And here's Mark sitting there reading a script. And and I was totally unaware. Um, actors, or let's put it this way, production or crew might get the next episode script before the actors get them. I, I thought cast and crew got new uh, scripts at the same time. So Mark's on the set, and we're talking, and I say something about it's, you know, it's it's really sad that you're going to become blind in the next episode. And he goes, what? In other words, <laughs> he hadn't read the script, and he couldn't believe that the writers were going to blind him. I mean, he was he was angry. I mean, not at me, but but you could see that he was not thrilled that he just found out from me that that this was going to happen in the next episode. So so I learned from that. <laughs> you never talk to an actor about the next episode, or until you're actually filming the episode. <laughs> but. It, I mean, it's uh, actually it. Well, it, may, it surprised him, and he was angry. And and like I say, I was just shocked that I never realized, you know, that scripts come out at different points. Um, and then finally, uh, DS Nine, we'd have Christmas parties. We'd have end a uh, party at the end of each season. And Mark used to go to these parties, and I'd see him at the parties, and and we talked. He just he just really is a regular guy. I mean, he's there was nothing snobbish about him. And 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 like you say, he plays he plays the best bad boy on Deep Space Nine. But he's really a cool guy. I mean, I really like Mark. Yeah, I I haven't met never met him at a convention yet, but hopefully someday. You know. Yeah, if we ever get if we ever get rid of this. Uh, covert virus or the scare I, I mean I'm sorry, going back on this have have you read this in the news that now they're saying that maybe people should have three shots instead of two and they should wear two masks instead of one I I, I don't know what to believe anymore <laughs> to tell you the truth <laughs> I just don't know yeah but, I mean and and that's I don't know. I I I hope that I'm not risking my mother or myself, but I um I don't know that people can get covert the covert virus and survive and not and not well, be vaccinated. I and, I wanted to go back to the to the story you were talking about uh Mark Mark finding out he was blinded. Well, back in 1991, 
I had my first Star Trek convention in Albany, and Mark Leonard was the guest. And at that point in time, it was the perfect time for a Star Trek convention. And um, because we had Star Trek VI hitting the screen, we had Leonard Nimoy showing up in Unification. And if you remember, in Unification, Mark Leonard's character of Theric dies, but it's off screen. We don't see the death. You know, Captain Picard gets a message on the Klingon bird of prey that Sarek has died from, I think it was Bendai syndrome or something. So anyways, at the convention, we have a dinner with the stars. And me and Karen were sitting at the table with Mark Leonard and some other fans. And one of the fans says to Mark Leonard, well, how do you feel now that they killed your character off? And Mark Leonard got livid. He was like, why would they say something like that? Why, where did you hear that? Why would you say that? That's not true, blah, blah, blah. Because nobody bothered to tell Mark Leonard that they killed him and because they killed him off screen, and he didn't even know. So Exactly, that and that's why, <laughs> that's why you don't say something to an actor because they may not know this. Yep. <laughs> so... <laughs> you know, compliment them for for their acting and all that kind of stuff, but don't don't say. By the way, I heard that uh, you know either your your characters died or or that they're thinking about having another actor uh, replace your character. You never say that to somebody. <laughs> now, Leslie, uh, was Mark. <laughs> Did Mark ever appear on Planet of the Apes? Do you know? Uh-oh. Oh, oh, Mark Alamo. I thought you were talking about the other Mark. Uh, I looked it up, and sadly, um, he's never been on Planet of the Apes. I was, I was going to try to end with, you know, and Mark was in this episode or this movie, but no. No, Mark. Mark was never on Planet of the Apes, but I'm sure he watched. He must have watched at least one of the movies or, or something. Here, I'll, 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 I'll resolve them. He probably watched Planet of the Apes and enjoyed it. Oh, yes, and enjoyed it. <laughs> yep. Who hasn't? You know, who hasn't watched Planet of the Apes? Yeah. No, I, I. Actually, I I almost would be shocked uh, if I met a person that. Then again, I'm shocked when someone, you know, they find out that I'm a stunt woman, and and I'll try to start naming off movies or television shows, and and whether they're just young or whether they just didn't watch that much television. You know, they're old enough that they should have. They were old enough that they could have seen a movie or show I was in, and and uh, and they'll say, no, no, I never, well, I never watched that show. I mean, I think I've heard of it, but I've never, I've never seen it. Or, well, it 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 really shocks me. Um, like I say, I mean, the 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 two most recognizable movies for me is uh Naked Gun and Nightmare on Elm Street and and that I I've met people that have not seen either of those movies. 
Yeah, Freddy Krueger's been around since 1984. You know, let that sink in for a minute. 1984. Wow. I would think, who wouldn't have heard of Freddy Krueger? I know. It just, well, they'll they'll say that I'm not into horror, or they'll say, interestingly enough, they'll say I'm not into comedy. And I I can't believe that there are people that are not into some kind of comedy show and or movie. Wow, that's amazing. (laughs) Well, if you tell them you're in Star Trek, they must have heard of Star Trek. I mean, 55 years. Do you know that I have met people up here that say I've never watched Star Trek, not even the original. Wow. And and they wow. didn't watch the series. The series, you know, that I was in or the time period that I was there and and they definitely don't watch the newer Star Treks. So wow, yes. Believe it or not, <laughs> there are people out there that either haven't seen Planet of the Apes or any of the Star Trek series, and and <laughs> and I'll I'll quickly add and probably Star Wars as well. Well, those you people know, are not the ones that are listening to our podcast because anyone that's listening to the podcast knows who <laughs> D. Leslie Hoffman is. Oh. <laughs> uh. Well, Leslie, take, it, a, take a look at your clock there. Can you believe what time I, it is? I know. It, another hour has gone by again. Wow. It, it's well, amazing. I let, it, yeah. I just want to let our listeners know that uh, you can join me, Uncle Jim, on Thursday night for Trek Talking with Charles and Eric, and we're going to be doing a flashback to the Star Trek The Next Generation episode, The Defector and Face of the Enemy. And we're going to be talking more in particular about the Romulans and how they fit into Star Trek Picard. And we're going to be talking about those two episodes uh, rather uh, in-depth, actually. And we'll have fan reactions and fan scores for those two episodes. So, you know, go to Net Thursday night with yours truly, Uncle Jim. Charles and Eric, we'd love to have you. And Leslie, we're out of time. The pretty lady's telling me that we... Only have three minutes left. Hard to believe. Oh, no. Well, we got to say happy birthday to Mark Lama, though. I mean, yes, I guess, you know what? I guess we sort of said it, but <laughs> happy birthday, and Mark. You know what? Here we go. I, I play this on uh, Trek Talking for when we do our Star Trek birthdays, and I'm going to send this one out to Mark. That was not a Klingon song. No, and it wasn't a Cardassian song either, but we like it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure he has a translator. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure he does. And uh, you guys might have noticed that I changed the Stunt Treks logo a little bit, and you'll act, you can actually see a picture of Leslie as Mila on there, and you'll also see this handsome Klingon waving his backless around. And I just decided to update it a little bit since we were going to be talking 
uh, so much about Cardassian tonight. So you guys can go and check that out as well. And Leslie and I will be back again next Sunday, a same bat time, same bat channel. And I don't know what we're going to talk about, but I'm sure we'll squeeze Planet of the Untrusted Jim, the one and only Leslie Hoffman. You know, if you guys have an idea for something you'd like to talk about, please go over to the Leslie Hoffman Organization, organization Facebook page. And let us know. You can also follow to Leslie over there. She'd love to hear from you. And Leslie, she's telling me we got a minute left, so I think it's time to say goodnight. (laughs) Well, fun, it's always fun as always. Actually, you know, people tell me that I should write a book, and and I just say that I don't have the mentality to write it. But, you know, what I'm starting to discover is, is the cheat sheets that I send you. I could probably put them together and make a book. You, you are, well, you are featured in a book, though, already, right? So that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, guys, that lady's telling me that we only have 50 seconds left. So uh, good night, Leslie. <laughs> good night, Uncle Jim. And I want to say to everybody, please, We'll be back on Sunday, and I want everybody to stay safe and be good to each other. We want you to come back and join us next Sunday, so please stay safe. I'm your Uncle Jim, and hailing frequencies are closed. Let's see what's out there. Engage. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.